So you realize from part one, you're stuck in an imposter mindset. Let me walk you through why your gauge is broken, and let me give you some really specific strategies for how to move past that. Let's roll. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am excited to be with you today so I can talk to you once again about the imposter mindset. If you haven't already, I want you to go back and I want you to listen to part one. Please, please listen to part one if you're tuning into this. It is um, where you're going to figure out if you have imposter mindset, if you're just experiencing lack of experience, what you should do if it's lack of experience versus imposter mindset and all of those goodies. So if you have listened to part one, welcome to part two. Today, I want to elaborate on what I talked about in part one, where I discussed how many of you with the imposter mindset have a broken gauge. You have an inability to adequately evaluate your performance. You tend to constantly think you're not performing as well as other people tell you that you're performing. You constantly think that your capabilities and your competency is below what other people around you seem to be telling you. I want to talk to you today about two reasons and two ways that our gauge gets broken, and I'm going to tell you what you need to do about each of those. So two of the things that I see really frequently that lead to this skewed or broken gauge is one, your expectations are perfectionistic or really just unrealistic, as I'm going to discuss them today. And two, you have something that I call diminishing rationalizations. So let's start with the expectations. I want you to answer these questions quickly as I ask them so that you get a really honest sort of guttural answer when I ask the question. What are your expectations for how well you should be performing in this new role at the stage you're at now? So some of you are literally week one in your new role. Some of you are six months in. What are your expectations? How clear should you feel on the work you're doing? How much critical feedback do you think is normal to get? How often should you make a mistake? Daily? Monthly? Never? (laughs) How often should you not know an answer to something that someone's asked you? How frequently should you have an experience where you stumble on your words in a presentation or maybe get a little flustered while you're talking about something? I want you to look at your answers to these questions. Often what I see in my practice is that my clients' answers to these questions are highly unrealistic and almost impossible to achieve. Many people um, will agree with the idea that like failure is necessary and mistakes happen, but they agree with it in theory, but not in practice, right? So many people will say, the sort of bumper sticker slogan, like, yeah, we all need to fail and failure is you know, necessary to grow. But then when you're in your meeting and someone asks you a question and you're in your new role and you don't know the answer, you immediately make it mean, I'm not fit for this role. Why? Because your expectation is, I should always know the answer. I should not make mistakes very infrequently, if never right? I should never stumble over my words in a presentation. So you often come to me with 
perfectionistic, which is in itself its own episode that I will get into later on in the season, but very unrealistic expectations of what it actually feels like to be learning a new role, unrealistic expectations of yourself in general, whether you've been in that role for 10 years or three weeks, this notion that you should always know, never make a mistake, never really receive critical feedback. These are skewed and unrealistic expectations, and they will creep in and cause you lots of problems in your work. So I want to give you an example of why you want to check your expectations and you want to question the idea that your expectations are creating motivation for you. One of the things that our brain does that can really trick us is it thinks holding on to something unrealistic, um, being hard on ourselves, that kind of stuff will like motivate us to be better. But when we have a really unrealistic expectation like this, where there is no room for failure, there is no room for mistakes, where you're assuming that you shouldn't be getting any critical feedback, it doesn't lead to motivation as often as I see it lead to exhaustion, scattered focus, quitting or leaving a job, burning yourself out. So let me give you an example. Let's say that you are in a meeting and you get asked a question that you don't know the answer to. And some of you made up the answer because your brain is like, I have to know the answer. I'm not allowed to not know the answer. So you sort of just said something that came off the top of your mouth. And then later you were like, yeah, I don't think that was the right answer. Some of you may have felt brave enough to say, I'm not sure. Let me look into that and get back to you. You walk away from that encounter. Your brain thinks the thought it's holding on to is I should know the answer. Rather than this being motivating, for most people, what I see is this. The thought, I should know the answer. The feeling that they get from that is either panicked, anxious, unsure, second-guessing. And what happens when people feel panicked, anxious, unsure, or they're second-guessing, they start to show up in a way that is hesitant. They start to overthink everything they're saying and overthink themselves before meetings, overthink their um, behavior going into a meeting, overthink what they know or don't know, try to anticipate everything that's coming up. And instead of it leading to a better performance, it often leads to a scattered focus, feeling totally exhausted, feeling like you want to quit, feeling like you're burned out, becoming really unable to tell if you like the job or don't like the job because you're constantly in this state of panicked, anxious, and unsure. So when the expectation creates anxiety versus a focused, calm motivation, it's not a useful expectation. I want to say that again. When the expectation creates anxiety versus a focused, calm motivation, it is not a useful expectation. So I want to give you an exercise to help you check your expectations. If you have children, I want you to pick one of your children and use them in this example. If you don't have children, I want you to pick a best friend, a sister, someone you deeply, deeply love, who you really root for, you want the best for. And I want you to put them in your mind. 
And I want you to imagine if they're your children, you want to imagine that they're all grown up, they're your age, your experience level, and they're starting a new role. And I want you to answer these questions in terms of what you would want for them and what your expectation would be for them in this new role. And we're assuming all the circumstances are the same. Same age as you, same experience level as you, starting the same new role as you. But it's not you. It's either your child or your best friend or your sister or someone you deeply love. How much at this point in the role should they know? How clear should things feel? How often should they make a mistake or not know something? Should they ever stumble over their words during a presentation or a meeting? I want you to write out your expectations. What would you make it mean if they didn't know something? If they made a mistake? If they got some critical feedback on what they needed to improve in this new role? And what I want you to do is compare the expectations you have of yourself that we talked about at the beginning of this episode to the expectations you just wrote out. So many of you will find that the expectations are different, that your expectations of your child, all grown up, of your best friend, of your sister are gentler, they're more realistic, they're more forgiving, okay? And if you are one of those people, then I want you to use the new expectations as your guideline. I want you to really play with the idea that these expectations are actually the realistic ones. They're actually the ones that are more accurate in this scenario than the ones that your brain is coming up with when it comes to you. If you find yourself applying the very same perfectionistic expectations to your child in that scenario or best friend or sister, then it's fine. You're just very, very deep into perfectionism. And when we're really, really deep into it, it's like I talk about it like a sharpened knife. And if you've sharpened it really a lot on yourself, you'll sharpen it on other people. So you may have unrealistic expectations of yourself and of others. So if that's you, This exercise is not going to give you the way out. I want you to instead focus on the strategies I've talked about before and what we're going to talk about in the rest of this episode. So that's the first reason why I often see a broken gauge, this unrealistic expectation and really holding on to them and it leading to negative consequences for you. The second thing that I often see that leads to this broken gauge is people who are attached to a strong diminishing rationalization. And I'm going to explain what I mean by diminishing rationalizations, a term I made up to explain this phenomenon. A rationalization that you believe for why you are successful or why you got this job that diminishes your competency and attributes your success to other superficial factors. I'm going to say that one more time. Diminishing rationalizations are rationalizations that you believe for why you are successful that diminishes your competency and capabilities and attributes your success to other more superficial factors. I will give you some of the most common ones I hear from my clients, some of the tried and true, with the caveat that 
Many of us have our own versions, our own little sneaky twists on these. But when you think about your success and you think about the jobs you've had or you think about this new role that you were given, does your brain tell you something like, I was hired because I'm nice or funny or warm or charming, right? Anything that has to do with a sort of pleasant personality is one of the rationalizations that I see very frequently. I used to feel this way in my career. I used to think the way that I got my PhD and was successful in the classroom and successful as a professor, I used to think like, sure, I'm competent, but really, I'm just fun and likable and charming and collaborative. So people just like to be around me. And that's how I've really created success for myself. So I used to diminish my competency and my capabilities with this rationalization. Some people will believe I just interview well. I've gone under the radar. So I've just found a way to sort of stay out of being closely critiqued. And that's how I've gotten away with being successful. I'm well-spoken. I am persuasive. So the key here is that when you are stuck in having a broken gauge because of a diminished rationalization, you see these things not as an asset or strength, but really as a way that you've tricked people into thinking you're more competent and capable than you believe yourself to be. So my belief now in my you know, ability to be likable and warm and charming, I no longer see that as the the reason why I'm successful. I, I now feel connected and attached to my competencies and my capabilities, but I do see my personality and my ability to connect with others as an asset, as one thing, one of my many strengths that contributes to me able to show up and perform well in the roles and the jobs that I've had. So if you're someone who really identified with one of those, or you may have your very own. I've had clients who have had ones that are so specific. I had a client before who felt like her height really gave her this um, unfair advantage that people just paid attention to her when she walked in the room because she was tall. And she actually, her brain would tell her, this is how she's built this success in her life. Not because she's competent and capable and smart and able to learn and really open to feedback, all the things that had actually contributed to her success. She had this diminished rationalization that her brain kept telling her over and over again. So if you identify with this, I want to offer you one thought that I want you to take with you for you to start really considering and thinking about to help you move past this imposter mindset. And here's the thought. Your diminished rationalization, fill in the blank, right? Your diminished rationalization that I'm just warm and that's why I've been successful. Or your diminished rationalization that I interview well and that's how I got this job. I want you to consider that this is not enough to account for your success. Your diminished rationalization is not enough to account for your success. And what I want you to do is I want you to take this in, I want you to consider that this is true, and I want you to really start thinking about why is this true. Really play with this one thought in your mind, because this thought 
played a very key role for me in helping me really undo this imposter mindset where I was attributing my success to these superficial factors that while they were pieces of my strengths and assets, they were really undermining the crux of my competency and my capabilities. And we don't want to be disconnected from our competency and our capabilities. That's where our confidence lives. That's where we're willing to take risks. That's how we show up. That's how we're able to have failures, being connected to that competency and capability. So that is my discussion for today on what tends to lead to that broken gauge and how you can really move through that. If you are finding that you are in this imposter mindset and you want to get rid of the broken gauge quickly and effectively, and you want to feel good, you want to master your work, you want to perform well, you want to stop feeling all of these imposter mindset tendencies and spinning and overthinking, head on over to erinmfoley.com to learn more about my coaching. And I will be back, of course, next week to give you more information on what to do in your new role so that you feel good, perform well, are deeply fulfilled in your work. In the meantime, have a great week.